Hey folks, it's Vib here with an unscheduled pre-episode message. I apologise for my lousy audio again. Uh, it's unclear what's happened, but my recording inputs got messed up these last two episodes. Um, luckily, I can confirm it is fixed for next episode, which is episode 60. How crazy is that? Please don't let this deter you from listening to the episode. The content is as top-notch as it always is. Um, yeah, so sorry about that. It'll be fixed. Thanks for listening and please do enjoy. Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answer to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Which I imagine is especially true for you today, given I mean, your tripping balls on painkillers. It's going to be an interesting ride, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, right, codeine's great stuff. Um, it's amazing, you, isn't it? I haven't tried. I mean, don't just try, obviously. You haven't prescribed no, for something. <laughs> have a reason to have it. Exactly. But... Take it when you need to take it. But, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, my reason is that I, I had surgery on Wednesday. Yeah, I do hope you're you're up to this. Um, I hope you're feeling better as well, but more importantly, I hope you're up to this. Well, you know, it's easy to bandy words with the witless worm, isn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's uncalled for. Apparently, codeine just makes you nasty. Uh, oh, well, I think it was always nasty. No, it's, it's just you, isn't it? I just don't feel the slight sort of pain, the guilt pains that I sometimes get now. <laughs> just unleashed oh, um, but no it's 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 okay I mean what I don't recommend to people is when you're gonna have I mean it was I don't, I don't, I don't know what the cutoff between minor and major surgeries but you were under general anesthetic yeah under general makes it major but it was just a keyhole surgery on my shoulder so something mm. like not open heart or anything like that but yeah in, in any case don't don't go to a wedding like three days later it's not <laughs> did you just ideal. did you just fall asleep in the corner I actually made it through the entire thing, um, but there was definitely a, a moment in like the the service, so actually in the church, the first um, time we had to stand up. Um, I sat down again and I broke into this like just unbelievable sweat <laughs> <laughs> that I, I can't really explain. I think my body was just all of a sudden like, "Whoa, what are we doing?" <laughs> We're not doing standing up and sitting down quite that quickly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. So it must have looked like I was dying, but luckily, obviously, people were paying attention to the bride and the groom. So yeah, it's, it's good. yeah, it would have been would have been a bad sign at the wedding if everyone yeah. noticed that you were sweating in church. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. You were in a church. That's why you were sweating. Yeah, yeah. The, the flames nearly nearly sort of came, and I burst into them. That's good sentence structure, isn't it? Gosh, a sign of things to come. Oh, I'm sure. Dear. <laughs> But no, other than that, it was, it was actually all right. Um, it turns out that getting to like tiny places in Kent is not easy, no. especially when you live in Oxford. Um, yeah, it's a it's a long way. And you know what? Like when you live it, when you live when you're visiting the countryside, and you don't have a car. Like cab drivers are just they're like, no, it's a Sunday, mate. We're not we're not gonna work. <laughs> but, you know, fair enough, I suppose. No. But it is quite annoying. <laughs> you get. You get very used to, especially living in London, you get very used to just how good 
things like Uber or Halo are. And then I we were I was trying to get a taxi from the station to my house, and I was trying to pre-book it like a week in advance on a Sunday evening, and everyone who I was phoning was just like, "No, I don't work Sundays." Yeah. I'm it's like, crazy, isn't it? Okay, fair. Like, I'm not expecting <laughs> you don't have to work seven days a week, but like, but equally, like, someone in the business must. Some, some, <laughs> so must be surely you can. Surely someone will take my money to do their job. I got it in the end, but it was very. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like, you'll, you'll, you'll find it, but it just takes some digging, doesn't it? You're right. Yeah. London really spoils a person. Like, you can just Uber anywhere at any time. It'll Uber cost a fortune, but time. you know. And then you can also. What, when you get to wherever you're going, you can deliver any type of cuisine you can think of. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's crazy. I can tell you move out. I mean, because I live in Oxford now, which is not it's not a big city. It's also not a tiny little village, right? And so Uber doesn't. Exist. No, that's a proper that's a proper city. No, yeah. it's an Uber. No, Uber doesn't exist. You're, you're entirely reliant on the two cab companies in this in this town. And there's sorts of weird shit, like sort of pre-clear a payment that's more than your fare is going to be. And like, yeah. That's that's students for you, mate. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, we're, not, we're not taking students. Or if we are taking students, we're taking the soiling fine out before we uh, before <laughs> we do the journey. Uh, it reminds me of um, the time the police dropped off uh, my housemate in third year. That's anyway. a highlight. Yeah, uh, you know. Students, students drink alcohol. Students are crazy. Yeah, yeah, makes yeah. sense. I guess that there's no Uber. <laughs> no, that's that's a, that's a fair point. I was once asked. I accidentally stumbled into the wrong staircase one evening. After so this is just a massive segue, but I ended up having to talk to uh, one of the college deans about it, and he was like, "Do you, you know what what happened?" And I was like, "It was a Wednesday night. I drank too much. Like, this isn't a welfare <laughs> incident. Like, I shouldn't have done it, and I'm sorry. But like, you're looking at me with concern. Do you know what happens in your college?" Yeah, I mean, it will have been like one of the club nights. I can't remember what Wednesdays were, but. There's always some club night. Yeah, it's that's th- there's there's no mystery here. Yeah, so. <laughs> like no one had to call an ambulance. It's it's fine in it the grand scheme of things. It's fine. Anyway, anyway. So yeah. The, Aside from the, that, I'm you know, I, I've survived. I'm okay. I've only got one arm, and it's the, my non-dominant arm, which is always fun. Teach yourself to be ambidextrous. You know what? Brushing teeth has been an interesting <laughs> experience. Like it, it sounds like such a small thing that you take for granted, but it's surprisingly difficult with, with non-dominant. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, things that, things that you don't realise you're going to struggle with. That's quite funny. Um, the the good side, though, and if there is a, a positive side, is you've got lots of time off during which you can play the subject of today's conversation. Indeed. I tried a little bit earlier. Uh, I, I plugged my ancient laptop into my very modern TV. And it did run. I think there was a bit of input lag, so I'm not sure that that's going to be the the way forward. But even just holding a controller is uh, challenging. I definitely can't use a mouse and keyboard. Uh, no. <laughs> the controller was, was... It sort of works. So yeah, I'll be playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 over coming weeks, I'm sure. As, as, as far as I can tell, you and everyone else in the world... Well, we, that's demonstrably untrue. It's only being well, played by uh, less than one million players at a time. 
I think, yeah, we obviously <laughs> we're talking about Baldur's Gate 3. I think both of us have been looking forward to this game. Yeah. But well, as, 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 as I think, like, this, is, this, is, this is sort of the gen- where I want to spend quite a lot of time. Like, I've vaguely been looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3 in the same way that I was vaguely looking forward to Diablo 4, but I've not actually played any Diablo 4. Even though the Diablo games had a much bigger impact on my childhood than the Baldur's Gate games did, but it just seems to have completely taken over everything. everything. Yeah, and so so for a lot of people, it's a nostalgia factor, right? Because Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate Two is uh, it the popular is people? It, I never played, though? so I don't know. And I I, I, to... I wasn't really planning on getting Baldur's Gate Three to be honest, with you. primarily because it's Larry and, and they made Divinity Original Sin, which is a game that was so annoyingly difficult <laughs> that it broke me and my friend. So... I want to challenge this question of nostalgia, though. We, we, we can come come on to it, but just I, I want to get my marker down now that I want to challenge the nostalgia point. Yeah, um, it's, it's. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't argue it because it's not nostalgia for me at all. Um, but ultimately, I'm just trying to think what actually convinced me to get Baldur's Gate 3. I think it might have just been the hype. It was the hype, and also I said, hey, we could stream this. Yeah, so then we played an anyway. hour, and that's now like three weeks ago. <laughs> We've both played it since then as well. We just don't stream very often. Uh, well, you've played maybe a total of, what, three hours? Shush. <laughs> 50 pounds well spent. Leave me alone. 50 pounds well spent. Whereas, let's see, how many hours have I actually I, got in the game already? Um, an embarrassing I, um, number. 25.7 hours. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's, it's not like some people... <laughs> So my uh, one of my good friends that we both uh, do D and D with, I, I was speaking to him at the weekend. He's got ninety hours in it, and okay, he has wow. a full time job. What, yeah, wow! There you go, ninety hours. His <laughs> wife will be pleased, I'm sure. She's on holiday. <laughs> ah, there we go. There we go. That's lucky. Um, yeah, he's like it's 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 been a perfect storm. But it's, so I think you've hit the nail on the head there. D&D, which is obviously what, for those of you who don't know what Baldur's Gate is, yeah, so. it's essentially a video game based on Dungeons & Dragons, the tabletop RPG. Yeah, I think it's, to, to say it's based on D&D is almost doing it a bit of a disservice, because there are D&D games out there already. Baldur's Gate 3 is as close to a perfect transposition yeah. of the rules of 5th edition of D&D as it is possible to get, so, as yeah, far as it, I can tell. It is tell. essentially video game 5th edition. Yeah. It's literally the 5th fifth, the fifth edition video game, complete with skill checks. You actually roll a dice. Yeah. It's, and it rolls, it, it rolls them in the background as well, like passive things. Yeah, if, it's, it's always rolling dice, but all, if you are faced with a... Like in... Um, you know, when, when you've got speech checks or what have you, that you get them in most RPGs and it tells you, you know, Speechcraft 20 or whatever. In Baldur's Gate 3, you click on that and then you a, a D20 appears on your screen yeah. and it shows you all your modifiers and it tells you what number you have to hit and you actually click the dice and roll it. Yes. Yeah. And someone in your party can cast Guidance and you get a D4 and stuff. Yeah, so exactly. it's, it's super satisfying just rolling the die, not going to lie. Until I rolled one check with advantage and I rolled a uh, one and a two. <laughs> but that's also that's <laughs> also true to that's also true to, to the tabletop. It, it is, it is. Like. It is. 
Um, but it's just, yeah. So like, we can talk about karmic dice at some point, I guess. As, like, I think concept. we should talk about karmic dice. I think that's a really good um, place to go. But we should, I think, just, just throw some of the statistics around quickly. So it's has the ninth highest concurrent number of players on Steam ever. So at its peak, 875,000 people were playing Baldur's Gate 3, which is an insane number. Yeah. It's the ninth highest peak. I thought RPG as well. I don't know if you have those numbers for like concurrent RPG players. um, I don't have them specifically for RPGs, but I can tell you that the absolute peak is uh, Player Unknown Battleground. Yeah, I find that ridiculous. um, With, what was that, about 3 million? Like that, that. I don't know. I've never understood the hype of that game. No, me neither. I guess it was one of the original like battle royales, perhaps. But yeah, I don't know. It just looked a bit bland and a buggy mess. And uh, I guess bugs are a thing we'll we'll be talking about at some point. We, but, I, I think we absolutely will. But to to put it into context, so Valheim, which we've discussed before, has a peak of five hundred thousand. Does it actually? That's really impressive. Yeah, it's all-time peak was 500,000. Yeah. For an early GTA, access game. GTA 5, 364,000. Skyrim, oh, 287,000. So what, what this doesn't tell you is about game's longevity, right? So Skyrim still has... Uh, I've lost it already. Yeah, Skyrim keeps getting... Played and released. Oh, and G- played. <laughs> sorry, sorry. G- GTA GTA Four in the last twenty four hours had one hundred and forty thousand people playing it, and currently there's a hundred thousand people playing Skyrim. Yeah, not Skyrim. Um, GTA Five. Sorry. Yeah, I mean GTA con- is just contra- the game that will never die. To contrast with Cyber- Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, which had an all time peak of one million people, and a twenty four hour peak of twenty seven thousand. And currently, there are twenty thousand people playing Cyberpunk. There are ten thousand people playing Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, that's which, so, oh, wow. Hogwarts Legacy had a had a peak of eight hundred and seventy nine thousand. So it's next on the list ahead of Baldur's Gate. But like these these swings are huge for mm. some games. Um, yeah. So well done to, to Baldur's Gate. I mean, that's really but, impressive. Do I? I cannot find. I'm going to see if I can find something like Pillars of Eternity. Uh, actually, I find Divinity. Divinity Original Sin 2. That'd be a lot less, I suspect. It's got to be a lot less, but there's currently nine th- currently 10,000 people playing Divinity uh, Original Sin 2 with a all-time peak of less than 100,000. Yeah, and I bet the, the peak now might well be as a result of Baldur's Gate 3 being released. Yeah, how many, how many people are jumping back into Larian games? Yeah, more, more polished and finished Larian. So, yeah, so let's, let's maybe talk about the bugs because I saw that you wrote it in our little notes document. Um, well, and I was surprised because I've not really seen anything about. It. I've not really encountered any bugs myself except when we streamed and <laughs> one of the cutscenes. My character T pose bug. Um, but since then, I've not really encountered anything that I've noticed to be buggy anyway. But yeah, so, when you Google it, it is actually quite a thing. <laughs> this the this was this was. Uh, a conversation I was having with the the same friend I spoke about earlier. So he works for a video game company, uh, as you know, and they frequently are putting they put out 
video games and they get absolutely castigated for their games having bugs in them. But he was making the point that Baldur's Gate 3 has at least as many bugs in it as any other game that's on the market at the moment. If you look at how it launched, it didn't launch particularly the late stages, those bits of the game that weren't in early access. It didn't launch in a very good state. Now, yeah, that seems to be it, patch. right? Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's later on in the game, yeah. yeah which of course, it, it's, of it's, an, it's, it's an argument for early access. Which... It's a strong argument <laughs> for early access, but it's also making the point that that companies know where most people spend most of the time and they front load their bug testing and their QA yeah, in the yeah. bits where they know people will spend their time, which I think, again, makes sense. So there's, there's a lot of arguments here, I think, right? So there, there's been a lot of talk about developers, game developers being a little bit miffed at how well-received what was Gate 3 is and how yes. and how epic it is. Because, I mean, it's hard for me to judge because I've you know, I think relatively just started playing the game. But it's something like at least 100 hours to just finish the main story quests. Um, and there's infinite replayability because... You know, it's fifth edition, so you can create lots of different characters, different yeah, classes. Yeah. You can interact with different characters. You can play them all different ways. Um, so, so, and, and you get different outcomes off the back of that, obviously, because you you know you're rolling dice. Different outcomes happen regardless of yeah of how well you try, I suppose. Um, so, so I think in terms of scope, this game is probably quite a big, a bit bigger than what we're used to. And for that, I think it's very polished. I, it's entirely possible for a game to be both very polished and buggy. Like the bigger the game is, the more polished it can be, and the more bugs there can be if you find it. Yeah. If you find them, see what I mean? Yeah, because I mean, it certainly doesn't seem to have the cyberpunk problem, right? Which was buggy right from the start, and like, and just really comical bugs. I think. Yeah, uh, and, and had a little not... bit of that, and like a little bit of a nudity. <laughs> issue with certain uh, character it types, I think, but yeah, it did. It did have some funny nudity problems, which I'm, you know, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's um, funny, and you know, I think no one launches a game anymore that's, that's bug free. But uh, Cyberpunk, I think, got a lot of a lot of flack because it was almost broken, as in it was it was essentially unplayable in the first release, so no matter what system you had. So they had to fix that. Those get three these runs. And then there's there's other arguments I think in terms of uh, like I guess I guess one that's in the media at the moment is uh, Creative Assembly's coming DLC for Warhammer Three, right? Yeah. Warhammer Three. So um, that's a contrast that I think is really interesting to pick at a little. Yeah. The, the the problem I think in a nutshell with that is that that's the DLC for a game that came out what last year, a year and a half ago. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it's that that game is still buggy, and that game is essentially an iteration of two games that mm-hmm. came before it. And as a consumer, it's really hard to see past that, right? I'm sure as a developer, but yeah. oh, well, actually, the code is very different and whatnot. But you know, as a consumer, you're like, yeah, well, you have had a decade now to make this a seamless experience, and it isn't. And now you're releasing a DLC to a game that's still buggy. The bugs that people have been quite vocal about. Um, the DLC undoubtedly will have buttons. In fact, I saw Lionheart play as the changeling in that game and, like, just one of the tool tips for one of the weapons was just flickering. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I saw you know, that. press release and all. It's like, you know, this is just, like, this is just unacceptable levels of chicanery <laughs> from, from CA in some ways. Um, so, so, yeah, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's wrong or right to 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 prefer one over the other, but I do think that there are companies who seem to just double down on issues and make misguided press releases and statements that <laughs> angers the crown even more. Whereas other developers like Larian seem to just kind of get on with it, if that makes sense. There's, yeah, there's this. There's so much to unpack in what you've just said. I'm sort of struggling to work out where to start. I think... Are you saying my thoughts aren't particularly linear? (laughs) No, I think it was a perfectly coherent and linear statement. It was just incredibly dense. Like, there was so much in what you said. It's trying to work work out which of the threads to pull out first. So... I also want to make clear, I'm not having a go at CA, for example. I think they make fantastic games. But it is no, just indicative think... of the times that a fantastic game is one that contains lots of bugs, which I'm sure we've talked about in the past. <laughs> we we have. We've we've made the point before that video games now are just bigger and more complicated yeah. than the video games of our childhoods. Absolutely. And those were bug riddled messes yeah. as well. This idea that you used to buy a video game and that was it, it was complete, is just nonsense. I'm sorry if you think that that's the way video games used to work. You've never seen someone speedrun Doom by clipping through walls. <laughs> yeah, but well, that was a design feature. Sure. <laughs> it's been rebranded as a design They're like, feature. we know that in two decades' time there'll be this platform called Twitch and it'll be someone's career to, to speedrun Doom using the buggy code we've got. But 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 that but that's my point, right? You bought the Doom disc and you could do that. And the difference was fundamentally everyone was less connected, so there wasn't this conversation about how buggy things were. But I mean, you you're about my age. You bumped into Missing Go in Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Of course, that's like any way to catch you. That's not a game feature. No. That is the game not yeah. working as intended it's a bug and there was all sorts of stuff in you know oh you can clone items because the one on your the sixth line won't if you do this yeah but you're you're exploiting a flaw in the game in order to do that that's not a feature yeah. you're not clever what well, you are clever because you found it out but anyway but i think this just, is where the, there is a distinction to be made right and so this is i mean i guess we're, we're both present on some discord that like total war as a game series um yeah and so perhaps we're closer to that than most but People people get really angry at CA for releasing yet another broken game and it's oh it's unplayable. But actually the bugs in Total War Warhammer Key are not game breaking in any way. They're just a bit annoying sometimes and it's sort of like how did you break this? Whereas again, like Cyberpunk released and was unplayable. The Jedi yes, Survivor was re- released and was unplayable for a lot of people. Like, that is that is shocking. <laughs> yeah, and there's 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 like there's buggy and then there's unoptimized as well, and those are different things. Yeah. Again. Cyberpunk was both. As you say, it was just completely unplayable. Jedi Survivor, I didn't have any problems with, but I was playing it on a PS5. So that's like, it was absolutely optimised for a PS5. It wasn't optimised for anything else as far as I can tell. So when you you boot up your massive 4090, it's like, oh, the game won't run. Yeah, but I mean, Total War... I really don't know where I stand on... The current state of well, no, I do. That's not fair. I do know exactly where I stand. I think Shadows have changed the latest DLC. So this is where all the furore for people who haven't been following it is that Creative Assembly have put up the price of their DLCs 
Uh, yeah, what, from, see, from the usual 15 quid to 20 quid? Is that right? It's something like that. It might be 25. It might be 20 to 25. It's, it's that sort of ballpark. It's gone up by a decent percentage, probably gone up by about 20%. Uh, but and the 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 big argument seems to be oh we're getting less content for that, but like okay don't buy it then this is this is where I really really struggle. So if you don't think that the value for money on on shadows of change is there, don't buy it. There's nothing. There's no obligation to buy it. But you also yeah. then can't expect CA to continue to support a game that people aren't buying content for, because that's not how video games work anymore. If you want regular patches, then there needs to be an income stream. That income stream is DLCs. People's salaries are more expensive. CAs, gas and electricity and internet is more expensive than it used to be, so they've got to find that money from somewhere. Plus, and this is, I think, where the Larian conversation comes back, CA have a publisher that will be demanding a take. Sega, Sega will be demanding an amount of money that projects have to make, or they're branded a failure. Yeah. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's I think there. There's a bigger episode here, I think. This, this is quite commonly the issue now with games being released in unfit states, and it's the, the developer versus the publisher, right? Uh, that seems yeah. to be a, a, bit of a, a bit of an issue. Um, Larian, Larian benefits from not having a publisher. It just does. There's yeah. no argument to be made there. It just does. Of course, because they're, they're really beholden to themselves. Um, yeah. And I guess Wizards of the Coast to an extent, but I don't but that's, know if they're really a con- beholden. That's a content license. That's all that is. Yeah. What Seal say, don't make a shit game. That's it. Yeah. Don't do anything. That, don't, let, don't make it easy for players to play Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't have that be a choice that players can make. That's the, that's the way Wizards will have gone. Exactly, yeah. So there's no Hasbro sort of saying it needs to be published now. Um, no. Get on with it. Um, so yeah, no, Creative Assembly does have that issue with the Total War series uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And, 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 and I'm for once completely in agreement with you. Like, yes, they've upped the prices. Everything is more expensive. There's a cost of living crisis. If you can't afford it, Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. I, I won't be able to afford the Total War DLC for a while. You know, twenty quid's a lot of money. Um, because there's other things potentially more worth buying at this point. But equally, if I was a massive fan of the content, would that be a deal breaker? I don't think so. Well, this is the other point, right? You and neither we were saying this a while ago. Neither you nor I had actually played Warhammer Three in a very long time. So I'm not yep. looking, ooh, more content for Warhammer 3. There's loads of content in Warhammer 3 I've still got to experience. <laughs> it's the issue with it. Like, the, it was overwhelming amounts of content. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, I was thinking that when I was watching Lionheart's video. Like, put another character in the fucking Empire. Like, come on, it's getting so busy everywhere. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't throw a rock with a hitting legendary lord. It's, it's getting a bit crazy at this point. I think that is a real problem, actually. But that's a, that's a separate argument for another day. But, like, you know, it's, you know, Things get more expensive. Uh, they're not. It's not like they're breaking market trends or market pricing by, by, by what they're doing. It's just, you know, no. Sadly, it is what it is. There will be a sale. Things will go down in price at some point. You know, any Nintendo game you buy, or any PlayStation game you buy through the, the official stores, are really fucking expensive. You know, we're not, we're not here like, complaining about that. I paid sixty or seventy quid for for Jedi Survivor. Yeah, on PS Five, it was an insane amount yeah. of money. But this is the thing, right? So, I, in a way, I think it's 
it gets missed a little bit in some of these conversations. People go, oh my God, I can buy 10 Happy Meals for the price of a DLC. I'm like, yeah, because it's a luxury product. You said this, and I think it's a really, really important point. Video games, broadly speaking, are a luxury product. Yes. Yes, and this if, player entitlement is it drives me nuts. Like people saying, oh, it's the game, blah, blah, blah. No. So why it, don't we care about it with Larian? That's that's what I yeah. want to pull it back to, because I know we, we could, you and I could probably talk about Shadows of Change for, so, for an hour. Yeah. So Baldur's Gate 3 is a game that costs 50 quid on Steam. That's a lot of money. Which, But I know that's already going to be more expensive on PlayStation, I don't think it's yeah, monopoly of that. I did, look, I did look at it, and it is going to be more expensive on it's PlayStation. It's going to be 57 or something, isn't it? Like, something like that, yeah. It's just bizarre. Anyway, the 50 quid, um, which I think actually, as you said, it's a lot of money, make no mistake. That is a huge amount of money. But it's actually on the cheaper end, I think, of video games in the modern day, which is nuts to say. Not like not including indie games because you know they vary. Well, they vary well, but, but this I've seen this debate about Baldur's Gate as well. Is Baldur's Gate an indie game? Uh, I don't. I've seen think is, so because I've seen I've seen arguments that it's indie and I've seen arguments that it's triple A. I don't think and it's triple A. There, there, there's got to be a middle ground between triple A and indie, surely. Sure, that I think I think there's got to be as well. But again, not to not to bring up Creative Assembly, but that's not a triple A studio. It's also not an indie studio. It's the largest video game studio in the UK. Yeah, they're sure. pretty close to. If they're like double A, it, well, double A, yeah, <laughs> double A or premium, maybe premium. They're like or, there's a whole host of video game development studios that are proper studios, but not like indie. Right? I think indie to me is like three guys on a yeah. brick. <laughs> yeah, a uh, uh, part of it is Polish, part of it is Finnish. There's a question of aesthetics as well. Like, there's so I, 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 it's, it's three guys playing around on Unity. That, that's what an indie game is to me. Or like Factorio. Yeah, maybe. But it, the problem, no, the good the problem, games make no mistake. <laughs> the problem, the problem with either AAA or or indie or any of these labels is they only have meaning to the person saying them. Yes. So one person can call Baldur's Gate 3 AAA because they're looking at the graphics, they're looking at the number of players, they're looking at the level of marketing, and someone else is looking at the fact that it doesn't have a publisher, and so that makes it indie. So, so Yeah, that's that's possibly true, yeah. I think to me AAA, at the moment, think, it's studios like EA and Ubisoft, right? They're just, they're just studios who make games multiple times a year. I think I think to be AAA as well, you broadly have to be part of a franchise. Yeah, not not always, but it's got to be. Yeah, I think you're right. It's your EAs, it's your Ubisoft. I'm actually, saying your... that now, then, then what, is, what does that mean? Bethesda, they make a game every fifty years. Actable is is probably making AAA, AAA yeah. like COD is AAA. It just is. Yeah. But the, yeah, that's the question. Is is Starfield AAA? Yeah, uh, yeah. Good or, question, or, right? Yeah. Or is there another category? Because AAA is also often used quite condescendingly. It is now. That's that's the thing, right? So your AAA games are, as you said, FIFA. It comes out every year. It's the same pile of shit every year. They're somehow mm. making it worse every year, <laughs> and it gets more and more expensive. <laughs> yeah, that is what for me sums up AAA games, uh, the modern era. 
So it's refreshing that, that a company like Larian came in and actually produced what looks like a very good game. Quite different, no microtransactions, it's a set price. Um, they're supporting it, clearly. Not get, we're not going to get any DLC, though, apparently. I want DLC because it only goes up to level 12. Yeah, I did wonder about we're, that. But it, it, yeah. We're definitely going to get DLC. Like, it's just, just, they, just they, they'd yeah. be insane not to, given how successful it's been. I think what they actually mean is we aren't currently making a DLC. We've put all of our development effort into building and then supporting Baldur's Gate 3. And then once we see where the, once we've had our massive launch party, we'll see what we can do about some DLC, I think. Yeah, but equally. I don't see why every game needs a DLC these days, you know? Because I, wa- I want to play at level 20. And of course, no, same, but <laughs> I'm guessing that from their point of view, they try to tell a story, and if the story's yeah, over, that's... and if you were at level 20, when... <laughs> then it's just too easy, perhaps. I don't know. So... Yeah, they'd, they'd, have to, they'd have to make... They'd just have to make, make the game bigger. They'd have to do a proper expansion, yeah. but that's what the old Baldur's Gate games had. Yeah, but if, if they want or... to do that, then I'm sure they, they will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, just, I, th- I think we'll get one. Given the success it's had so far, I suspect it would make it would make sense. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think we can understate that success. We've made a point of it earlier, but like this is a party-based computer role-playing game. Its success is almost entirely unprecedented. It's it's unbelievable. I can't get my head around it. For what is effectively yeah, point-and-click, multiplayer, turn-based. RPG, <laughs> it's got this got that sort of RPG jank in it still. It's very jank, <laughs> like, but it's all part of the charm. It just works so well. It does, it does just work so well. So, uh, what's um, what's driving it? You mentioned D and D earlier. I think that's right. I think that's that's got to be playing a huge part. Uh, I always struggle with that because. I, I find it really hard to conceptualise how popular D&D is. So I think that's a really interesting question. I We've had this conversation before, I think. Yeah. I think on air. Yeah. D&D is simultaneously the most popular it has ever been and proportionally about as popular as it's ever been. But popular yeah. population. The population has gone up, so there are more people playing D&D. It's yeah. Just, but it's not that much bigger. Yeah. What I think probably is a little bit bigger is the number of people consuming D&D or D&D equivalents. You think? About a million people watch Critical Role. Yeah, but would that be non-D&D players? So this, this is the thing I don't know. I think there are people... I don't know how many, but I think there are people who are whose only relationship until Baldur's Gate 3 with D&D was consuming critical role, high rollers, acquisitions incorporated, etc. Yeah. I, th- I think. I, I don't, but I don't know if it's Possibly. 50% of the people who watch well, critical I, role or 0.5%. Yeah. The, the other issue is, that, does Baldur's Gate 3 make it like super obvious that it's 5th edition? The video game? I don't know. I don't we, know. we obviously know that. We but... knew. But it's also... <sighs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, let, let, let me get to the store page real quick and see. Real quick, he said. 
Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is a story-rich party-based RPG set in the universe of Dungeons and Dragons, where you chose yeah, to shape so a tale of fellowship and betrayal, survival and sacrifice in the middle of the episode. So quite pretty upfront. <laughs> if, if I were to Google D&D video game, do you reckon Baldur's Gate 3 comes up uh, as your like, yeah. first choice? I think it must do. Almost certainly. So, you know, that'll be playing into it a little bit. So yeah, but it's hard, it's hard to gauge, isn't it? I, I know the vast majority of people I know that are playing Baldur's Gate 3 or 1 2 are D&D players, but then there are a few who are not. And this comes back to the nostalgia. Some people are just nostalgic for the original Baldur's Gates. But I, I, as I said before, I can't relate to that. So. Or are they? Uh, Baldur's Gate 2 was released in the year 2000. Yeah. So I think a lot of it's faux nostalgia. Possibly. Is the thing that I, I've, I've spoken about. So this this episode is full of just stuff we've spoken about before, but looked at in a little bit more detail. I think there's a load of people who are nostalgic for Baldur's Gate 2 who never actually played Baldur's Gate 2 or didn't play it until they were much older. Yeah, so I, uh, you might be entirely right. You might be entirely wrong. I've literally couldn't tell you. I've got, I've got no evidence for that other than just <laughs> generally that's the way nostalgia is going. People are nostalgic for things they didn't experience. They're nostalgic for the idea of things. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that there is a subset of, of I guess, older the, players, right? Because if Baldur's Gate 2 came out in 2000, then Baldur's Gate must be mid-90s at best. Which would be before my time to be playing games like that. 1998. I'm not even convinced we had a computer then that would have run a video game. We... <laughs> We did. I don't know. That's that's around about the same time as Diablo, isn't it? Probably, yeah. That was. I definitely remember having a PlayStation. But I don't remember like a PC for computer games. The original, or Diablo Two, was two thousand. So the original Diablo would have been about. Um, yeah, pretty much ninety eight again, ninety seven. Ninety eight again. Ninety six, so it was longer, oh, yeah, longer yeah. but but it's it's all it's all that sort of era. Yeah, so, so I think like, if people of our age, that uh, that might well be, as you say, phone nostalgia. Well, what, well no, even if you played point. it when you were fourteen, you know, but you, that's like one of the first games you played. Yeah, so like in in a sense, like I think you and I or people of our age can be might be nostalgia for Diablo two, Baldur's Gate two. We played them a couple of years after they came out because there wasn't this rapid release of video games then either. They didn't come out. There weren't that many coming out. And you sort of had to pay attention, right? At the same time, you had to buy the magazines. And and they were more expensive. Relatively, they were more expensive. Partly because we, you know, we were kids, so we had less disposable income. But also, just video games actually are cheaper now than they've ever been even though they feel more expensive because they're like 60 quid. Inflation means that, broadly speaking, video yeah. games are more expensive now than they've ever been. Well, sorry, cheaper now than they've ever been. I remember like one of the first games that I would have bought was like Metal Gear Solid 2. That must have cost 40 quid, yeah, at the time. PlayStation yeah. 2 game, yeah. Probably 40, 30, 45 40 pounds, quid. yeah. That's probably so about fifty quid right. now. Yeah, it's a fucking deal. <laughs> that's, that's that's the thing. It feels more, but it's it's not actually. So well, now there's so there's a take there that like, that video games are no longer 
as luxury as we claimed earlier. No, they are. It's just luxury is more generally accessible Potentially, to the yeah. average punter. Because everyone's got a thousand pound phone in their pocket. This is, this is very true, yeah. This, they, this, they can this, play video games like uh, Diablo. Diablo, exactly. <laughs> you can play Diablo 3 on a phone. L- yeah, luxury is more more readily within the grasp of the average consumer now than it has ever been. It just is. There's, there's no, uh, no real argument to be had there. Mm, yes and no. I mean, housing crisis aside, that's like an, an incredible expense. <laughs> yeah. Housing housing crisis aside, I, I grant you, but like, no, you're right. I think people people have more, or people are spending. Uh, is that true? I don't actually know. Uh, people who are struggling are obviously struggling, but I think, I'm, I'm as you not, say, you're, you're sort of average, the middle I'm of the middle saying, is probably spending more on video games now than they were. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not saying that people aren't struggling. I never say that. People absolutely are, and people who are have my sympathy, but. As a proportion of wages, the cost of luxury items now is broadly low. The, bro- the cost of your average luxury item now is lower than it was 20 years ago. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's just true. I think I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's saying that without sort of saying no one's, no one's not well off because you know, you said that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> those, those two, so, those two no, statements the whole, the whole population has shifted right so struggle now is not the same as struggle was 40 years ago and no. the average is not the same as the average was 40 years ago, so we, we should also make the case that this is specifically true of the uk oh yeah um, I, I wouldn't want to speak for anything else wouldn't want to speak for anything else but specifically in the, the uk um yeah but so I don't even know, don't even know how, we got, how we got to this. But <laughs> 50 quid, yeah, for a game that is ultimately okay. Um, but yeah, obviously bugs in the later acts seems to be a thing, but I haven't gotten there yet. So we mentioned it briefly then, early access. Do we think that that was a success? I think it's a, I think it's a crowning example of the success of the early access model. Yeah. It, because how many... It was only Act 1 that was in early access. Yeah. Act 1 seems to be the most stable, the least buggy. Yeah, and apparently they did, they did take feedback on board and stuff. So so I think it's just, yeah, we, we had an enormous Act 1 playtest for three years. Turns out if you got that much feedback, you can actually just iron out most of your bugs. Yeah, apparently it's, so. <laughs> it's, it's sort of in a way, making me rethink my views on early access, because I sort of famously don't like early access as a model. I think it... Yeah, well, neither one of us, really. Weird. Um, but I think, again, it's, this, it's just because this game studio actually did it right, where there's others who did it wrong. We know in our early access episode, we, we yeah. mentioned some... Corking examples of how companies get it get it wrong and essentially extort um, customers, but then there are your Baldur's Gate threes, your Valheims, your Kerbal Space programs who do do it justice, I guess. The issue I think still is one of price because neither you or I bought Baldur's Gate three in early access. 
access because it was still 50 quid. And we were like, that's a bit steep for an early access title. It was 50, 50 quid for Act 1 was too much. Yeah. It just, I just, I made that decision. It was, it was too much. But I guess some Didn't... people sort of looked at it and said, yeah, but I'm getting the full game for this, just not yet. But they then waited three years yeah, during which time years, yeah. Larian got to play with their 50 quid. Now, yeah. the argument from Larian would be without that revenue stream, we would have never finished the game. Exactly, yeah. Or it would have taken five years or something. Or, yeah, we'd have, had to, we'd have had to get a publisher. Yeah. Is probably where Larian would go. That's the only way we're able to fund it without a publisher. I don't know if that's actually true, but certainly it's the argument I'd be making. Oh, it's an argument that makes sense, yeah. <sighs> Does it mean that early access works, or does it mean that <sighs> yeah. people, people, publishers, or investors should be more willing to fund risky games? Because Baldur's Gate three was risky. Right, eight hundred seventy-five thousand so... concurrent players must have been at the far end of their bell curve in terms of expectations. I don't want to speak for them, but yeah, you would think so. I'm speaking I have absolutely no idea what their expectations were, but like the ninth highest all-time peak of, of all time. People's, in the opening weekend, people co- played a combined 1,225 years of Baldur's Gate yeah, 3 in three days. Yeah, and I, I like that because they jokingly equipped it, that's about as long as it took them to make yeah, it accounted for 28% of all people playing on Steam on the Sunday of its launch weekend. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what? That's crazy. They ca- like, they would have been insane for that to be a projection. Maybe, you know, best, best, best case scenario, we get something like that. But you can't budget on that basis. No. No, and, and this has come not that long after the release of the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which didn't Flopped. do that well. Yeah. Was it a, was it a, was it an actual flop or was it just not a very big success? Um I want to say I've not seen it. Hang on, hang on. That's actually it's kind so of interesting. You haven't seen this. Why why have you not seen uh, it? I I don't care <laughs> about a Dungeons and Dragons movie. It's just a good film. Yeah. So if, you, if you called it anything other than Dungeons and Dragons, maybe that's the answer. Yeah, so they had a budget of 150 million, made 208 at box office. That's so a loss. That's a loss because budgets yeah. don't tend to include marketing. Yeah. So that, that that film made a loss, which yeah. But so, I, so if you're if you're Larry and you're like, oh, well, shit, if, if like a Hollywood blockbuster doesn't do well in the same sort of uh, sphere. But what do you, <laughs> What do you always say is the biggest draw of a tabletop role-playing game? It makes me cringe every time you say it. Uh, the fact that I can criticise the GM. Okay, now you're just trying to be clever. Um, no, player choice, of course. It's players play, telling player a story. Choice, players telling a story, the absolute creative freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah. Don't get that in a video game. So all of those idiots out there who think like you do, they're going to see... So you don't get that in a movie, but you do, and that is a huge thing that Larian were pushing in their marketing. You do sort of get that in a video game. Yes. When you when you rescue 
or don't, as the case may be, your first companion on the Nautiloid, there's absolutely nothing stopping you from just killing her, or saving her, or not engaging with her, or, 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 like, your freedom of choice there is huge. Exactly. Whereas watching a film, and this is part of why I'm not interested in the D&D film, I don't think, watching the film, I'm just watching someone else's game of Dungeons & Dragons, and I don't like doing that. I don't like Critical Role for that reason. It's it's not interesting to me. I so, see, I see, but I think you've got the wrong end <clears> of the stick for that film. And that's why I think maybe the, the name hasn't helped in that case. But that, just, that goes back it's to It's just a really interesting fantasy. Like, it, it's yeah. just a good fantasy film, honestly, and we haven't had any of those in a long time. No. Um, no, that's very Yeah, if, you, if you're thinking about it like, ooh, rather than playing, then no, that's obviously not true. But it's just... Yeah, it's hard to explain. You should watch it. No, I, I'm sure when I see it on a streaming service, I'll probably watch it on a train at some point. But, um, but yeah, no, Baldur's Gate 3 does absolutely give you the thing that defines 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, which is player, player choice. Yeah. So from, from that perspective, that's probably a huge source of its success. But, and this is something we've talked about uh, offline, is... <laughs> What makes it really work in tabletop D&D is there's discourse and dialogue, right? Because you have the GM who's sort of trying to yeah. guide the story in a particular way. And you have players who, who imagine something. Players. Yeah, so a player thinks, oh, if I do this, that would be quite cool. Um, but you can sort of... Because there's discourse, right? You can sort of say, oh, if, if I do this, like, you can ask questions around it, like, you know, a player can always ask the is it possible for me to question. But not not even so much the is it possible to. That's a boring question, but it's a sort of... You you can understand nuance a whole lot better. Right? And if if I say something in character... Oh, yeah. If you you don't understand what I mean, I can clarify that, right? The issue in Baldur's Gate 3 is because it's a video game, so you get a set number of dialogue options. And I've had this, <laughs> where I clicked the one that was like, oh, that, that, that seems to be what I want it, what I want it to be. And then it just came out so much more aggressive. <laughs> and like events ensued, and you're like, well, you know, if I'd known that corresponded to that, um, that thing that my character then said, that, that, that's tricky, I find. <laughs> well, don't, I haven't actually used this dialogue option, because I only ever play goody two-shoes, but... It happens right at the start, doesn't it? You when you rescue spoilers for the first hour of Baldur's Gate three to follow, but when you rescue Shadowheart on the Nautiloid, she sort of remarks on the fact that you have a gith with you. And one of your dialogue options is, "Do you have a problem with gith?" No, I've never clicked on that, but that could be a, "Oh, is there some interesting backstory here between you and gith that I need to know about?" Or it could be, yeah. Fight me. Well, fuck you. Yeah. Fight me now. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I do have a gift. Let's have a fight. And it's like, well, those are two yeah. hugely different ways of asking the same question. And but, but, if, yeah, yeah. Obviously, this is a, this is all a matter of how one perceives it, right? But with that question, it it sounds inherently inflammatory, and that's how I would sort of interpret. It. That's why I wouldn't click on it. I've seen people yeah. do it, and ultimately, all that all that she says is apparently uh, not as much as the gift hit everyone else. And then we just oh, move on with our lives. <laughs> it's, not, it's not actually a problem. Though. Yeah, but no. But so that's exactly the sort of thing I ran into. Like, you know, if if you're if the writers 
wrote a dialogue option and then interpreted it three differently to how I interpret it, then yeah, that can lead to some unexpected outcomes. And this yeah, is where saves coming comes in. It's a big topic. This is this is. I'm, it's not. It's, I'm, I'm, I've said this a few times. I'm afraid it's not an original thought. And full credit has to go to. Uh, I'm going to get your Discord handle here right, Arthur the Amethyst, on a Discord server that I'm in, uh, who has come out with the hot take that because saves coming is possible in Baldur's Gate 3, it's not a true role-playing game. Yeah, I mean, he's wrong on so many levels. Um, is he, though? Of course. Of course. Because this is what I mean when I say that when you're playing a tabletop RPG with a GM, your saves coming ahead of the fact. I because you can clarify, you can clarify what the outcome is going to be. No, you can't. At all sensible. Of course, you can. No, 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 no. Of course, you, you can. can't. Of course, you, you can't. Can. That's a ridiculous statement. You literally, literally, the other day, the other day, many, many moons ago, when you ran the game, you more or less said, "Oh, if you do this to this character, you will all die." Right? That's safe coming ahead of time. That's safe no, coming ahead of time. Of course. No, 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 no. This was this was me giving you all information that your characters would have been able to perceive and you can't because you're not your characters so I'm the only conduit of information to you that's not saves coming ahead of time It's it comes down to it no that's just a willful misunderstanding of both what happened there and the term saves coming uh, no, but your Discord friend doesn't understand what role-playing really is. I Or that every video game is a role-playing game. There it is. I was waiting for that. Or the fact that, <laughs> you know, if you want to save scum, save scum. <laughs> it doesn't matter to I mean, anyone, literally. I don't, no, I don't. I don't th- he doesn't have a... I, he would not have a problem with people saves coming in Bob's Gate 3. He would be fully on board with people playing the video game however they want to. No, you know, no, no. He's your... you know he's confusing role playing with there is a set outcome, which is the mistake that you always make when it comes to the indie as well. No, he's there not. is only one road. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's one road, and two, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, if you get to keep trying until you get the outcome that you desire, yes. you are not living with your character's choices. No, you just you're, playing you're just trying not, to understand what the choice is that your character wants to make. No, 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 no. You're... <laughs> Let me guess, he's a GM. Yes. Yeah. You can always tell, because they don't understand fun. <laughs> and fundamentally, GMs don't actually seem to understand how to play Dungeons & Dragons. I, that's such a wild accusation. What do you possibly mean by that? Because it, the GMs always seem to put themselves into, like, conflict with players. No, I don't think that's, that's what I mean with the sort of, there's only one road. Actually, there's many roads, and the whole party decides what the road is. And yes, you have to I live don't... with your consequences, for sure. No, okay, The problem in Baldur's Gate 3 is that you're playing, like, you're sort of playing four characters at once if you're not going to listen to the which I think is the way to experience the game. Um Ultimately, a a but... good GM doesn't think that there's only one road. A good GM presents a situation to the players, including a goal. Yeah, but you see, you said the word "good GM." I agree with that. Yes. <sighs> You're such an asshole. <laughs> Fuck it out. Oh. oh. <laughs>
someone's actually chatting me to the room. Um, are we all right? Yeah, no. Those guys <laughs> are just... 100% going to crash. Excellent. Um, no, I'm mostly just messing you a bit. But I think to his point, uh, I, he's, he's, this is I the sort of thing. Like, it's, 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 it's testing the game to see... Well, I mean, this is only my own opinion, of course. But it's like, you're, you're testing to see what outcomes exist, and you choose the one that you think is most appropriate for what you want. I guess that's how some people are safe, right? So I think there's a, there's a different there's a difference I think between your example from earlier, where you click on an option and your character behaves not in the expected way, and you go, oh no 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 no, that's not what I meant when I clicked that button, and because at that point. In a tabletop role-playing game, I would have said to you, before we rolled any dice or anything like that, well, obviously, if you say that, your character knows that that's a wildly offensive thing to say about someone's grandmother, yeah. and you'd probably start a fight in this bar, and you'd go, ooh, no, that's not what I meant. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. that's and, different. Well, but you could you, you can say it and then still style it out as well, right? Because it's organic. But yeah, that, that's exactly the point. Yeah, that That is different from, oh, I rolled, I failed that. Stealth check, reload. I think that's his point. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if that is, I think where. But, but I don't think that has anything to do with in. that. It's not a role playing game. That's literally just people not liking the dice mechanic. But then, frankly, go and play literally any other game. <laughs> go and play Skyrim. Like if if part of the story is dependent on sheer luck, then you have to live with that. I think I think I agree with you there. It's why you know. You there's a villain act one where I sort of, you know, I didn't want to kill everyone in a particular area, but because I rolled badly, everyone <laughs> aggroed. And I was like, well, this is, this is now just what we're going to have to deal with, isn't it? <laughs> and everyone it's died. My fault. You should have all not seen me. Does that bring us neatly in the short amount of time left to us onto karmic dice? Karmic dice. Yes. So I guess that's the, developer's way of saying we don't want it to just be sheer luck. Yeah. I think it's the developers recognising fundamentally they're not building a randomness generator, they're building a video game. Yeah. But I think, so I, I, I find all this game design side of things really, really interesting. So there's all the stories about how enemies work in Bioshock or how bullets and shields work in Halo, or how the actual two hit percentages work in XCOM, which is just always just the developers putting their thumbs on the scales to make sure that the player actually has an enjoyable gameplay experience. And actually, this is a conversation I've had with, again, our, our mutual friend about AI in video games, and people complaining that AI in video games isn't good enough. Hmm. And his point, which I think was very well made, was that people don't actually want good AI in video games. What they want is AI that makes them feel smart. So they want an AI that's just good enough that when they beat it, they go, oh, I beat it because I'm good, rather than, oh, I beat it because this AI was not programmed to be Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is is a, a good point that 
often gets missed in AI conversations. Uh, like, so frustrating, you isn't it? You don't want a good AI. Yeah. You want an AI that makes you feel good because you're not Napoleon. Napoleon was always his example, which I think is a really good one. Not none of us are Napoleon. Napoleon exactly. was a singular individual, right? Like, imagine if, the, if if AI in total was actually like artificial intelligence and sort of grew yeah. to recognize your tactics. No one would make it past five turns. <laughs> no, of course not. You know, you've got people like Legend of Total War complaining that he's able to cheese the AI. It's like, yeah, because the AI is not designed to to be able to turn off your cheese. The AI is designed specifically to appeal to your average player on a sliding scale. Yeah. Like, it Absolutely. just is. Like, sure, if you take two lords into a settlement and run around in circles, you can confuse the AI such that you can win without taking any losses. Cool. Was that fun for you? Because people... No, I hope people it was play, fun for him, because it's all you ever does. It's all you ever, but like, <laughs> most people play Total War games so that they can have two lines of fighters clash and send people up the walls and no, defend no, the no, walls no. and all of that. No, most people ought to resolve. Actually, no, that's true. Most people also resolve. <laughs> that is actually statistically true. I know, I do. But you just order resolve. If I'm oh, ever I in guess. a battle that I can't order resolve, I know I fucked up tactically. <laughs> Ooh, I, I get a decisive victory here. I will take that. Um, oh, but, I'm going to lose half my army, but it saves me from having to death. fight the battle. Oh, I'll do it. <laughs> but, but, like, this is this is the, the frustration that I have specifically with um with Legend of Total War. We'll just talk about video games again now. But like, yeah, sure. If you do things that the AI is not expecting you to do because no sane player would spend twenty minutes fighting one battle, or two hours in his case, I've seen him do. Cool. Well done. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not shocked that CA didn't program the AI to not do that because that would have been a huge waste of resources because you're the only person in the world doing that. And well, if you can to do that, more more power to you. Yeah, and I think he's he's mentioned this in the past. Like, you know, CA have designed their AI that there is some cheese and they know they know about all the cheese and sometimes they patch it out, sometimes they don't. So well, it's, it's they give you the, the option as a player, right? So if you want to cheese the, the, the settlement fights in a particular way, then go right ahead, do it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the difference between they, they don't patch out cheese like that but they did patch out the backspace cheese yeah exactly right because that was just wrong you shouldn't be able to do that that's just cheating yeah i actually think it was probably fine to leave in i don't think it was as big a deal as people said it was because it was an option it was an opt-in mechanic you can always exactly you can always just not press always just don't don't, just don't press it if you don't want to but it's it's like saves going to be fair you don't no one forces you to right so the fact yeah i guess it doesn't do any harm the karmic dice are weird so it's an opt-in mechanic. It's an opt-in. Well, actually, it's an opt-out mechanic. So I think it was Sorry, switched yes. on by default, which which is the thing that threw me because I thought it wouldn't have been. But as like no, I'm rolling I, so high I, all the time, it's really, it's really hard. I think it's. I think it makes sense to be switched on by default because it's a game pre game play improving mechanic. It, it, yeah, it's it, something that the developers have put in to make the gameplay experience better. I'd like them to draw and more attention to it. though. As in, like, you know, by the way, this these are the two options of how we throw dice in this game. It's on by default I, because it's potentially quality of life thing. I think it should on. be... I think it should be a... Like, when you do your first skill check, I think it should pop up and say, just so you know, comic yeah. dice are on. Exactly. Click here to turn them off, or you can always turn it off in the yeah. settings. Because I only knew about them because I watched a Quill stream ahead of playing it myself. Yeah. 
Um, which, I mean, I think not knowing wouldn't have been bad. Like it just you, just changes the way the dice works. But it's it's hard to understand really how it does it. It's it's just a it's just a soft waiting on the randomizer, as far as I can tell. But it only kicks so, in if you've had a particular set of one-sided results. Run, it's you have to have a run of failures, not bad dice rolls, but specifically failures. And then it just slowly shunts up your likelihood of getting. Oh, I thought it also went the other rolls. way around. That if you kept rolling, like 20, I think it so does it also. Would, it would like. I think it does also work around. the other way around. But at that it point, just, I'm like, you know, just have it be completely random. But the argument there is true. People don't want true randomness. They want the illusion of true randomness because on true randomness, you can get eight nat twenties in a row, in a row, or eight nat ones in a row, and that doesn't feel good. And so, the yeah, but the, yeah, but the thing thing is that there's enough dice. Yeah. No, of course you the, can. You can. The whole waiting exists. You, you can. It's unlikely, but the problem with true randomness is that it can happen. And so, the whole idea behind karmic dice is to weight it so that you get the illusion of true randomness while yeah. actually getting a positive gameplay experience. It's well. XCOM, XCOM does the same thing. XCOM does the same thing. You will, if you have a run of misses eventually you get an auto-success. The game doesn't tell you it's doing it. It's not at a specific moment, so you can't game it. But eventually, XCOM just forces you to hit. Yeah. Because it's not fun to miss every 99% shot, even though it's statistically possible to do so. Yeah. But this is something that's a patch, right, from the early access. Because if... Baldur's Gate. Yeah, Baldur's Gate. Because if your character had, like, a really high armor class, the enemies would keep missing and then because karmic dice was on they just they'd, just they'd start crit. critting you all the time yeah. <laughs> they, they, they'd, it, it, it was forcing crits yeah um so no only the player gets it i think is that right is that right i don't know i think that's right i think that was the patch or it can't force a enemy crit maybe yeah maybe I, don't know. I, just, I just like having it off because that's ultimately how D works right I, I see, I, if I, I miss every single Eldritch Blast I ever fire, that's literally just what being a warlock is. <laughs> I I leave it on because I'm not because I'm playing a video game. That's that's the thing. I I think the. Yeah, find that's such a weird distinction. Why though? Like, why why does it matter <clears throat> if it's a video game versus a tabletop game for the luck? Because I don't think I think uh, I don't really know. I think people roll too many dice in general in role-playing games, so that's probably part of it. But uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't that, know. Yeah, probably, yeah, that probably depends on the GM, I suspect. It does. It probably does depend on the GM. I don't know why, because I, I don't. I also don't fudge dice, so I roll all my dice out in the open, or as much as as openly as it's possible to yeah. do. So just when I'm rolling dice, the dice land where they may. So I don't really know other than. When I'm playing a video game, I want this is another conversation we've had before in relation to open world RPGs, but like I want a curated experience. I want the developers to build what they think is the best video game experience. And part of that in Baldur's Gate 3 is Karmic Dice, as far as I can tell. That's why it's automatically on. Yeah, it's interesting. See, because again, there I'd say that's probably a GM mindset. Because as a GM, I guess that's Probably. what you're trying to do, like curate. But then you also say that you roll the dice in the open, which you do do. That, that's kind yeah, of yeah. It's really weird. That, it's that's really kind weird, of counterintuitive. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I actually think that's a fairness thing. 
as I think about it, I think that's a a player facing fairness thing. I think that's the difference. Yeah. When you pick up the dice, when I when it, or, or I when anyone picks up a dice in D and D, when I, in a game that I'm running, you know, at that point, it's about to be perfectly fair. Yeah, yeah. That I think is a difference. I think that's, that's, I think video, that's true. In a video game, I don't want it to be perfectly fair. Yeah, but it, it's, it's it the same as the dialogue thing. Right? It's an yeah. interpretation. It's, if you're playing D and D, you're not playing on your own. Like, so you no, true. So simple things is let's all do an investigation check. Like you'll have one person that fails, one that passes, and then some in the middle probably. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. fine. But if it's a game because you're, you're, I mean, you're controlling a part of it, you're playing as one character. And then, yeah, you do sort of want that extra hand. And again, because it's like one check in the game's code just moves on to the next bit if you fail or pass. Whereas yeah, in, a, no, in a real game, there's discourse again. Right? You know, you can... There's no reacting to the check. Exactly, yeah. So, oh, because I've failed this, I'd like to maybe, you know... But I also, just find, I also just find these things fascinating, the little things that developers do to improve the experience my, my favorite is an example is always the halo it's either halo or bioshock i'm not just i can't say which my favorite one is so in bioshock the enemies always miss their first shot always it's hard-coded into the game mm-hmm. which i just think is such a like neat little thing because if the enemies didn't hard code miss their first shot you could be sniped off the map you could just die without ever knowing the enemy was there. And that's yeah. not fun. So the devs went, yeah. no, we don't want that. There's a big debate all... in Rainbow Six Siege as well, actually. Like that headshots are insta-kill, yeah. <clears throat> it really annoys Absolutely. some people because it can be complete fluke, right? Like someone shoots you from yeah. five walls. Yeah, but I, you see, I think it works in Siege because it's player versus player. Yeah, but yeah, perhaps. But, but there's enough but, like random bullshit that I... Yeah. An element I, of fudging in video games makes a lot of sense. There's, there's yeah. an episode there, I think. I think so. The, the, the just counterpoint. Well, it's not a counterpoint, but like a further point. The last bar of your shield in Halo has more health than all the other bars, and the last bullet in your gun in Halo does more damage than all the other bullets in your gun. And again, that's because the feel of that the developers worked out was worth screwing around with the maths. So I just, find, I just find those things really interesting. And that, I think, is another reason why I'm in favour of Karmic Dice, because I think these little things that developers do mm, to make mm. video games better are the yeah. work. No, it'd be nice to sort of see the maths behind it. This is my issue with them, <clears> is that because because there's some like trickery, I, I don't trust it. <laughs> yeah. You know that's fair, if you don't I, understand. Yeah, I'd rather consign myself to, to fake, complete fate and just have a, yeah, have a D20 literally roll one way or another. And um, we all know the D20s are too swingy, so... They are too swingy, that's that's true. Oh, I'm just getting a, a, an angry email from my favourite RPG blogger for having said that. Um, <laughs> yeah, 3D6 all the way, right? 3D6. <laughs> uh, no, D6 is a two bell, uh, too swingy. It's only, oh, the only dice that you can roll is a D100. Oh, the least swingy of all the dice. Yeah. Fucking hell, of course. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Any, do you have any closing thoughts on Baldur's Gate 3? Uh, no, I just want to apologise to all the GMs who are listening. Uh, I like to put on it, Sean, for, for being a GM. I don't really know why. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of GMs in our Discord. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate you all. <laughs> no, um, no I, I find it really fascinating. And at one point I do want to sort of write all these thoughts down. But like the, the way that D&D and other tabletop RPGs work 
it, it's such an interesting player dynamic, right? Because one of the players is not a player, but he is a player. Yes. Like it's it's no, so no. strange. It's, it's it's a whole thing that I haven't quite got my head around yet. The, I think the most useful thing that was ever said to me on on this was. GMs are not players. They're not playing the game. They're part of the game engine. Yeah. And when, when that clicked for me, it completely changed the way I look at running games. Yeah. No, and, and, and I fundamentally sort of get that, but equally, you'll tell your wife. I'm still sitting down to, to be social with four friends. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm still, I'm still sitting down at a gaming table to be involved in a game. I sort of feel like I am a player. I'm just playing a different game or something. That, like that's that. yeah, that that's it. Like it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, I think it is. <clears throat> and I do think so. My closing thought on Baldur's Gate Three, I think that it's a phenomenal example of what you can do if you have a passion project. But I think the lack of a human GM means it's still it's not a patch on playing tabletop role playing game. It's just not. But I it agree. might. It might be the next best thing. I agree. I, I think that there is no replacement for just yeah, getting a group of mates together and sitting down to play a game of fifth edition or, or whatever your whatever your is, yeah. whatever your RPG of choice is. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I agree with that. But well done, Larian. It's a great game. Yeah. Um, if you're listening. <laughs> And if if you're because <laughs> it's not it's, it's not an episode of expertise of overrated if I'm not at some point controversial, if you're a, a game dev and your reaction to Baldur's Gate three is to come out and be shitty to Larian because they made a good game, sort yourself yeah, out. Have a word with yourself. What is wrong with you? Have an absolute word with yourself. Yeah, <laughs> looking at Ubisoft and the likes. Oh, you've ruined gaming. No, Ubisoft. You can't be you expecting did. this kind of quality. <laughs> okay, sure. Here's my eighty pounds for your shitty broken game. Yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> just admit that you're not going to take any lessons from it. <laughs> oh, Mirage is going to be so shit. Ah, uh, ah, oh, man, I really. And everyone's going to buy it. This is the frustrating thing. I'm <laughs> going to buy it. I know I'm going to buy Mirage, and I Same. don't want to. I'm already consigned to it. That, that 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 to me is the ultimate developer versus publisher problem. Ubisoft. Well, the people who make Assassin's Creed specifically, because like, they put yeah. so much effort into the, the history teams and like doing all the lore and stuff, and then... The games are so shit. And then they're just like, yeah, you have to release it tomorrow. But they're like, it's not finished. Like, we don't care. Get it out. We have quarterly results to hit. Exactly. <laughs> Crunch until it's done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, well done, Larian. It's a great game. Um, well done to all your GMs out there. I, I hate you all. For reasons I don't understand, but I do. You're you're jealous. Jealous. Maybe maybe that's literally it. I wish I was as creative as all. Well. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I think um, at that point all I can do is thank everyone for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail Tweet us at zero expertise. Check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com, or come join us on our Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. If you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Come back next time for some more absolute nonsense. <laughs> <laughs>